0: Hi, this is the Kate Languages podcast and this is the second of my episodes in which I'm actually speaking to another person. Um, This episode is with Bex, who is better known as At Page Practice Podcast on Instagram um and she talks about all the different things that she does actually at the beginning of of the chat um this is actually an instagram live that i did um in february 2021 so i'm releasing this um episode in at the end of january 2022 uh so it's almost a year old but um i've just had a really good listen through um again uh edited a few bits down and it was a really good chat um so i just thought you know what this is a really good opportunity um to publish this as a podcast episode for those people who either don't use instagram or maybe watched it at the time but have forgotten and would like to listen to it again or if you would prefer if you prefer to listen to these things in your car like i do which is why i love podcasts so much um which is one of the things we talked about on our chat actually (laughs) Um, so, yeah, so I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, and as always, I'd love to know what you think afterwards. So, get in touch. I'm at Kate Languages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, or you can email kate at katelanguages.co.uk and let me know your thoughts on our chat about workload and all sorts of things to do with teaching. Uh, mainly languages, but also, as always, I think these um, episodes are useful for teachers all over the world, all different subjects, etc. So, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Yeah, I thought we could start off by just introducing ourselves quickly. So if you want to tell people who you are.
1: Yeah, um, so I'm Bex. I am head of Spanish in a large school in Essex. Um, I have a podcast, which is why my uh, name on here is Page Practice Podcast, all about applying educational reading in the classroom, and uh, yeah, I'll leave it there and you do loads of other things as well okay fine i'll carry on um so um i founded mfl chat on twitter so um that's every monday night over on twitter and i know that's you know, we're on instagram but it's on on twitter on monday nights um and i've got a blog that i uh, put all the, the chats onto as well um i'm involved a lot with the charter college of teaching um, so I could talk about the charter college for days on end, but I won't start that now. Uh, and recently as a way of keeping up with my own wellbeing, I guess yeah. I've got into, Oh, I'm going to reach over here, making things that are sparkly and pretty. And I'm enjoying that as a way of kind of doing something that's not teaching.
0: I know, but you know what? I just like, when I think of like all the things you do, I just think like <laughs> amazing. I think my first question to you is how do you do all those things?
1: I think some of it is knowing what's my job work and what's what I want to do. Um, so the, the 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 extra stuff, the MFL chat, the yeah,
0: the
1: charter college stuff, is because I education is my hobby as well as my job. Um, is is what I do with my spare time. So I think because because of that, I don't have. You know, there's not another hobby that I'm trying to fit in and I don't have children or anything like that so I I guess some of the time I have is for that and then some of that is I think some of the ways I kind of curate my workload and and mm. and that kind of thing in terms of the hours I restrict myself to to allow me to do these other things that I'm passionate about.
0: Yeah I think that is so important isn't it I think like you say it's about kind of managing your time
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I don't know about other people who are watching I have to say I don't think I'm very good at managing my time I think I'm better now
1: um
0: mm-hmm. in terms of like because I have m- my time is so much more limited now I definitely feel like I can get I'm I'm astonished at the moment how I can how much I can do in an hour like because mm-hmm. <laughs> I basically like put the baby down for a nap and uh i'm just like right i've just got to do so and then i'll be like oh he's been asleep for ages and i look at it it's been like half an hour and i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think i'm just like i'm so focused now and Mm -hmm. and no i've only got small amounts of time but um yeah i have to say when i was a full-time teacher in like in a school i Mm -hmm. think i might have been one of those people who was a bit just like i i just worked all the time Mm -hmm. very good at sort of switching off and sort of prioritizing like what I really needed to do or you know I just sort of I don't know I just kept going and going and going all the time
1: I think that's so easy to do and I think I got to a point in I think it depends as well I didn't come into teaching because I wanted to teach I'm not a teacher who's like, oh, I have to teach. I came into it because I thought oh, I might be all right at it. And I'm very honest about that. I don't mind telling people. I thought I would do my training, do my NQT, and go off and do something else. Obviously, you know, by the Christmas of your PGCE year that that's not going to be the case. You know, <laughs> you, stick, you either stick at it or you don't, don't you? But I think part of part of the reason I think I'm getting better now at managing... The time I work is because I don't think, oh, I have to do this for the children. I mean, it's not, it's not the. I don't find it a calling, and I think Absolutely. when people, I was thinking about this earlier. I think when people think of it as a vocation, as a calling, they feel the need to push all the hours into it. And when you consider it mm. more as a job, yeah, I put I put in the time I have to. Definitely, I work hard. Definitely. But I don't go, oh, I just have to carry on because I have to do this for for the, for the children or whatever. I think I'd go, okay, I'll do what I have to do and I'll do it well. But it's not my life. And so I don't need to put my life into it. And I think that might be, might be part of it.
0: I think that's such a brilliant attitude. And I think, I don't know whether, so how long have you been teaching
1: for? Uh, this is my seventh year. Yeah.
0: I'm wondering if things like that come with time a little bit that you Mm. you're you know you develop a bit of confidence to be like do you know what it is just a job and um you know there are other things that I can do with my time.
1: I think so I got to that point even in my NQT year I stopped and went this is too much I can't and and I think it was at that point that and maybe that was an early point for it but maybe because I wasn't emotionally invested in wanting to teach it was I was able to come to that conclusion. I thought, you know what, I, I can't be doing this. Either I need to find a way of making this work or I need to be doing something else. So I think I forced myself too early on. I think the the job slash vocation thing comes into that again.
0: Yeah, do you know, I've not really thought of it like that. I don't know whether I, like... I I think, like you, I I love education. Like, I'm mm. really passionate about education and I was thinking about this earlier today as well about how I, yeah I was a bit like you in that I have to confess I I never felt 100% at home in the classroom like mm. I just I don't know it wasn't quite the right place for me but when I left teaching in a school I knew that I was going to stay in education if that makes sense and yeah yeah I, and it's kind of just my entire family are teachers um, so Although my partner. Whereas I
1: have not got any.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. No,
1: sure. I, it's like, that's just what everybody does. <laughs> yeah. In the family business.
0: <laughs> I, it's almost. And I always like, I'm like, I don't really know what else I would have done. But I do think it it helps that I, yeah, I, I love education. I think education mm-hmm. is important. And I love language as, and, you know, I like learning different languages, but I just love words and language and, you know, that's like, that's mm. just, just really, I just find it really interesting. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think,
1: I think for me, the the hook is not necessarily on language, but on education, like you were saying. I was talking to um, mm. Toria on her podcast, Tiny Voice Talks, recently, and I we came to the conclusion that my thing is the, the, the how the how behind teaching that's what i really like i'm really interested in the actually as shown my books behind me and the podcast actually the the how we can teach and how we can do that better so for me i didn't i didn't come into it for the love of the subject and i didn't come into it for the love of working with children i think i came into it with an interest in knowledge and how we learn and how we can make that better so i think yeah for me if i were ever to leave the classroom i'd still be sticking with something Mm. to do with education training development those kinds of things
0: yeah that's interesting i was listening to well finally got to the end of the episode today your podcast with um about mary myatt's book oh yeah oh my god it's so good and (laughs) and then immediately like found another podcast with her on partly because i'm doing (laughs) i'm doing some work with a um a map in well starting next week actually i'm doing some cpc About curriculum design, so it's basically just <laughs> about about this book um, but yeah it's so i yeah, it's so good, and what I really love is the way that people so I think a lot of education books and research are a bit like they can be a bit dry and a bit mm-hmm. read it, and you're just like, oh what, how is that relevant and I love the yeah. way people talk about how they've actually um incorporated it into their own. Teaching and into their own schools and things like that. So I
1: think well, I think that's what's important for me: the balance between. I don't like too many like good, good, quick wins. That's great, but I want to know the background to it. But equally, not everybody's got the time to sit and and read all the background to everything. So that's what I like to try and do on the podcast to bring that. Okay, here's the we've done the long reading bit, and here's how someone's applied it. So it's not a quick take this thing and apply it in your classroom, but here's some really like well-founded research and what you can do with it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And just trying to make it more accessible to people because people don't have time, like you say, like you can't read a single book out there, but actually if you're driving to work and you know, you've got time to actually listen to the podcast, I think um, it's brilliant. I'm like obsessed with podcasts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've got a whole backlog because I'm not commuting at the moment. I've got such a backlog to listen to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and no. When I go out for walks, I tend to like take the baby, and then I just feel really bad if I just like plug my earphones in and ignore him. <laughs> and he sits down in the pusher game, and I'm like, oh, sorry, yeah. To no. yeah. <laughs> not actually listen, like, yeah, I don't listen to anything. So I'm really missing it, and like, I've got all these ones I want to listen to.
1: It's a really great way, though, to 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 feel like you're still doing CPD, and. But, but, but not take up too much time doing it. So you know, that's one thing people struggle with. How how am I going to fit more CPD into, you know, how am I going to do any of these things when I'm trying to do X, Y, and Z? But if you can fit it in on your commute or when you're exercising or all of those things, it's a way of kind of informally doing it. It's not, you know, don't have to be sitting making notes all the time, but it's something that you can still fit into your normal life.
0: And again, I think these things all go back to workload as well, don't they? Mm-hmm how can you balance things that, I mean, I think, I actually think it's really, really important to keep reading and research, you know, I mean, not research as such, but, um, but yeah, so I, but I do, I do think, like I say, it comes back to workload again, doesn't it? And that you have to have this balance between you continue learning and you're, you know, you're still like in, improving and developing, but you can't let it take all your time
1: no i think I mean, that's especially at the moment actually when when one trying to have a, a break between where's work and where's not work and where's that kind of mm. that boundary in between and knowing when to shut off but when <laughs> this is going to come across funny saying this as we sit here on an evening during half term but knowing when to say no to the next thing that's come up so there's so many amazing webinars and things going on at yeah. the moment. But you can't be in them all and you can't allow yourself to feel guilty for not. So I've seen loads of things recently and I've sat there and gone, oh, well, maybe I should have joined that. And then thought, actually, you know what? I can't. I, mm. I'm doing enough of this, that and the other. I don't need to go to this one. No, I could go to one on this day or one on that day, but I don't need to sign up for everything. So I think we suffer from that guilt a little bit of, oh, but oh, there's am I missing something here? And should I be doing this? And and then that's really um, it definitely in the moment when there's so much of it happening, it's really important to go, actually, you know what, I don't need to do all of these things.
0: Yeah. And I think that was a, a question that we've had. And also um, I think someone has written it in the comments as well. Just like how, how do you switch off, it, especially in lockdown, you know, it can be so
1: hard and you
0: work and live in the same place all the time.
1: It can be so hard. And I think, boundaries are so important when it comes to this there's a few different boundaries that I think about so emails I've yeah. weaned myself off of checking my emails when I don't need to and they're not on my phone if I absolutely want to I will go on to Outlook on my on my browser on my phone if I feel I need to mm-hmm. but I do not have my work emails on my phone because not yeah. only in lockdown normally one bad email has been known to completely ruin my weekend because I've looked at something, I've looked at a notification, it's annoyed me for whatever reason, I've got upset about it for whatever reason, there's my weekend gone because now I'm thinking about that email. Yeah. Which didn't, in the grand scheme of things, matter and didn't need to ruin my weekend. So email is definitely one of them. Um, and the same goes with WhatsApp. WhatsApp can be really, really useful, but, um, and we've got it as a as faculty, but. You have to be careful with what's being sent on there and when. Yeah. And lots of faculty seem to be doing it now. And it is nice for keeping in touch with things, but I think there's a line that most people are good at cr- not crossing, but some people cross it. And I sa- I have now said, I don't want a work WhatsApp to me on the evenings and weekends, unless you absolutely have to, because it's an emergency. Because can you
0: mute, like, conversations at some I time?
1: imagine you can, but I think... If it's important, then you should be able to email it and leave it as an email that I can then go to and read later and it's there to access when you want to. The problem with WhatsApp, I find, is that's in there with my family messages and my friends and that notification comes straight to me and I don't want that. So the email and WhatsApp and then other social media. So Instagram, I very much have a teaching Instagram and a personal Instagram, and if I go onto the teaching one, that's my own my own choice. Same with uh, Twitter; I only use it for education. And then yeah, I think I have got
0: a personal Twitter, but I
1: haven't been on it for so long. I, don't, <laughs> I never have done.
0: Please, but um,
1: yeah, no, I'm separate I'm, accounts. Yeah, and on Do you Facebook have and
0: patients from social media.
1: No, none. No, I don't. None at all. I used to um but twitter i feel like i'd be getting too many yeah um instagram i just don't want them sorry sorry so twitter i'd get too many instagram i feel like i i don't want the notifications because i think i can just casually go onto it when i want to i don't feel the need and then facebook i have and i think this was somebody on on mfl Insta's suggestion actually it might have been danielle i can't remember i might be making this up tell me if i'm making it up but um to remove the facebook groups from my feed so i can go on to teaching facebook groups whenever i want to but they're not coming up as part of my feed with my friends yeah. and family um, so i've removed myself from that so i don't have to see it <laughs> i was looking who was it there was a comment a while ago about something to do with the to-do list it was ages ago about you know we need to know when to stop and to-do lists are amazing things to do Uh, I find them the only way to clear my head, I will sit on a Monday morning and write down my to-do list. But I think as teachers, we need to accept that we will never get to the end of a to-do list again. And that that's not a problem. And that's not an imperfection in ourselves. That's just the nature of the job. So knowing that, yeah, I'm going to write down 10 jobs. I might do four of them. And then someone's going to throw another one at me here. And someone's going to change the deadline for this one. Um, and the goalposts are going to move on something else. And that is just the nature of the job. So mm. I, especially at the moment, have been planning like day by day of, right, this is the time I've got on this day. These are the jobs I'm going to try and do. I recognise I might have to move those to another day as well. But for me, I I always want to be in control of things. Um, and I think that's something as teachers we don't get the luxury of being able to do all the time we can't be in control and we have to know when not to plan too far ahead. I like planning ahead i I always do I'm a week ahead of myself and that's how I like to work. It always has been but when you get too far ahead of yourselves, other people who don't work as far ahead of you are going to throw all sorts of curveballs in at you on the way, and that lovely work you've done too far ahead of yourself then becomes more work that you've got to do again so there's a balance between doing enough to make yourself feel in control and on top of it and planned and ready but also not doing too much that's actually just going to end up getting changed which is awful to think about it does happen it happens a lot
0: yeah i um i don't know about you but in terms of lesson planning like i can't i've never been able to plan more than about a day or two in advance so because Mm -hmm. i literally forget what i've planned so i then, then, like i would then not feel comfortable and Mm confident with what i'm teaching I'd be like oh my god i planned this a week ago and i can't even remember it's depending on how many lessons you have per week if you have three lessons per week and you plan all those three lessons and the first lesson i don't know the fire alarm goes off, or they just don't get it. Like that happens as well. Like mm-hmm. you, you know that you think like, oh yeah, I've got I've got this really good lesson, da, 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 and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then they just don't get it. And then you, you know, you have to be flexible and and change yeah. doing anyway, really. So for me, I've always felt like it's really not <laughs> worth. it <planning. laughs>
1: for me to feel comfortable, I I I do do a week at a time, and that's that's for me to feel that I know that. If something were to go wrong now, I'm ready for for that. But knowing that each morning I probably need to just open it up and remind myself what I'm doing. And, oh, yeah, I need to take a few slides off the end of this one and, and jig it around a bit. But I think there's something there about being being able to be flexible with a lesson and not getting sucked into certain... not going to say fads but certain things bells and whistles that you don't have to have so thinking you've got this perfect one hour standalone lesson not a thing not a thing we don't teach in standalone lessons as much as we've spent a lot of time being told that if your lesson's got a starter lots of mini plenaries and a plenary at the end that is your lesson you've shown the learning they don't learn in one lesson so if you if you're planning in longer chunks that's absolutely fine um and yeah i think there's certainly something there about us seeing lessons as individual set chunks whereas they're not it's a much longer a longer process
0: i think that's what's really good about the mary my book as well as it talks about the long you know the bigger picture of mm-hmm. and i think actually when you start thinking about it like that um i reckon in terms of workload i think thinking about it might take longer but the actual nitty-gritty of each lesson should be quicker I yeah. think. because you know from the way that she describes stuff and i and i for me it's quite different to how i was trained as an mfl teacher i think you could you know even in, in mfl you can take one text and you can exploit it for at least a whole lesson if not a couple of lessons or you know three or four i don't know like I swear when I was training, like I reckon they expected us to do at least six activities per lesson. Um, you know, like you're saying, so some kind of starter, then like all four skills, and then some kind of plenary, probably a game thrown in there somewhere. And everything's just like boom 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 boom, five minutes, ten minutes. And I constantly get kept getting told off on my PGC for pace. And I was just like, oh, you know, and it and I didn't really understand what that meant, so I just kept just like basically just rushing the kids. And now <laughs> I I do find it quite interesting as well when you have things that are sort of like your instinct and then Mm -hmm. you read something like, oh my God, I trained about 15 years ago. (laughs) So you read something 15 (laughs) years later that you're like, oh, that really resonates with how my time ago. And I'm kind of thankful that it seems to be coming around a bit.
1: Certainly. And and, and the way that then links in with the workload stuff is that, you know, if you're planning a lesson with about a million different activities, that's going to take you longer. Yeah. And actually... The kids aren't going to learn any more from it and that's the that's the the massive thing to think about every time is are the kids going to get any more from this Mm. so if i sit and make a card sort uh and i sit and i cut all these out and i put them in individual envelopes are they going to learn more from it if i laminate these things are they going to learn any more from it if I make and, and we are all guilty of this, and Instagram is the is the worst platform for it because it's made for pictures. So yeah. I'm gonna be unpopular with some people saying this, but if it looks pretty, are they going to learn any more from it? No. So don't stress yourself about doing it and spending more time doing it. If you've got the solid activity that they need to do to learn that one thing. If you've got the the pedagogical thinking behind it, behind this is what they want, I need them to learn, and this is how they're going to get there, it's more about that thinking than it is the million and one activities and the pretty resources, as much as that might feel like you're working so hard. There's a real difference between feeling like you're working hard, but actually you don't necessarily have to feel like you're working hard. It's what's going to be effective and what's mm. going to be the most productive. And I think... We can be really, really guilty of that, of of feeling like we have to spend so much time on it and it has to look a certain way and it has to have a certain amount of activities in it. And I felt under pressure during my NQT year, comparing myself to another teacher who seemed to have all these cool lessons all the time. And I tried to copy that and thought, actually, looking back on it now, I don't know why, because actually I don't think there was any better learning going on in those lessons than in mine
0: no i know it's 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 a difficult one isn't it i mean it's yeah there's a a brilliant comments as well as we're talking people saying Mm. yeah they have to
1: agreeing how much
0: time they spent cutting do you know i have to say it's been been one of the kind of quite nice things about being a private tutor though is because i tend to only teach one person so Mm. i want to Print. and especially like when i've taught some kids of primary school age and it's <laughs> actually really nice to have little cards and you know do much more sort of yeah kinesthetic activities
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't get me started kate <laughs> but
0: um yeah so actually you know i've really enjoyed that but uh, like there's no way i would do that for a class of 30 kids now that would just yeah that'd be crazy but i did like i definitely did and i used to get my tutor group to like cut stuff up in tutor time it's a waste of their time, like when they could
1: have actually been talking <laughs>
0: and you know, we could have actually been doing something useful. So. I think
1: it's a shame that it takes us a few years to learn these things, though, because it means there's something fundamentally wrong happening at the beginning. Mm. Because why are we making our ITT students and our NQTs go through what I guess people see as some kind of rite of passage of you must buy a laminator and you must spend ages doing these? Why do we do that? it's not fair and it's not necessary if we were doing and I I think I think things are to an extent getting better I think I'm seeing less of those kind of things but it doesn't need to be the yeah I think right of passage is probably the word I want the the initiation test there you are to get into teaching that doesn't need to be a thing
0: just by laminating and cutting things up
1: like yeah
0: um yeah Spanish Umbrellas I think that was just said no point spending an hour planning an activity that will last oh my god I've definitely exactly. spent yeah I've spent so long and then gone oh my god this is gonna take like five minutes but actually on the flip side of that is finding an activity that might take you I don't know 10 15 20 minutes to find a re- you know a good text and to think about how you can exploit it and then make it last the whole lesson like
1: that's yeah.
0: that's the ideal isn't it that's what you're yeah how
1: many things can you use it for how could I use this to do each skill how could I use it for this one thing I'm trying to do oh I could bring it back in five lessons time because that would be a good bit of retrieval to practice those same things again and no definitely definitely
0: what are your other tips Bex what else I you... think
1: I've, I've said everything I've written down things things that have really changed the way I think about things a few years ago, i say a few, it must have been four or five now, maybe four, I saw Jo Facer from the Michaela School at the time talking mm. at Research Ed, and she wrote a book, which I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm probably <laughs> going to fall on my head now. She wrote a book called Simplicity Rules, and it's such a little short little book, but it's about all of the cutting out the nonsense, all of the things that we don't need to be doing, and what can we be doing that's really simple in our teaching, but still, really effective yeah. and not about working all the hours under the sun and what can we do. So, things like that book um, and another one, Teach Like Nobody's Watching by Mark Ensor. Okay? The way that we. Podcast on Simplicity Rules. Yes, it was my very first one. Was it? Okay. My very first one, so it's a short one. Um, and about I've... any book that I'm about to mention, <laughs> I've got
0: feed it but i might just listen listen to other people
1: talking yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one was a good one um teach that nobody's watching again because it makes you think about actually mm. if no if there was no judgment on you if no one was wanting you to do specific things how would you teach and it's basically mark's way of saying what he would do um and make you have a listen count because again that's not about all of the tips and tr- tricks it's about here's the simple strands of what we can do to give solid lessons so yeah those those kinds of those kinds of books have really i think changed my teaching from the i need to do this 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 and this to what does it what is a solid lesson kind of more overall the that's sort pretty- of teaching over time
0: yeah definitely yeah
1: oh it's been really interesting talking to you back
0: actually i think um i just thought i thought we'd just sort of you know see how how the conversation evolves and i like yeah We've, you know, hopefully, as someone's just said something, something that we said, I don't know, I'm not sure 100% what it was, that <laughs> a really good tip for uh, NQTs as well. So I'm hoping that some of the things that we talked about will be, you know, useful in terms of thinking about workload. And mm. and it's not about being a lazy teacher. No. It's not about like, oh, I can't be bothered to plan a lesson. It's looking at what is a really effective activity that you can exploit to its fullest Mm -hmm. you know it's not going oh we've got to to do a listening so play the listening and they answer the questions and then you move on to the next thing it's pre-teaching some vocab it's guessing what might come up in it it's you know then going through it maybe trying to get them to write a transcript when they're listening to it as well so they're literally writing everything out doing it like a dictation then it's looking at the transcript and then you know
1: and that could take like half an hour and with relatively little prep And And Danielle has just said what I was going to say. I was literally going to say that. It's working smarter, not harder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need to feel guilty for not spending ages on something. If you've done something that's going to be solid and they're going to learn from it, then job done. Don't spend any more time on it because you don't need to and you have better things in your life than that.
0: Definitely.
1: But education (laughs) is still your hobby, though. Oh, no, you're making, making your gorgeous things as well, though. Yeah yeah, yeah no I, I think there's a distinction for me between what is my teaching job and what is my education hobby i think there's there's two different things there as well
0: yeah i do i like i do feel i like i have to have time to switch off though definitely
1: mm-hmm. yeah no I think that's bed,
0: definitely. Or, um, but then i find myself watching like french programs and i think
1: yeah <laughs> work or is it fun i'm not really sure (laughs) but i think i guess when when you've got to the point where you don't know if it's work or fun anymore it's probably okay yeah i think if it's if it's causing you any sort of stress any sort of anxiety anything that's making you think about something to do with your actual job then it's more work than it is a hobby and then there's more of a problem whereas if it's just an enjoyment thing and then go for it
0: I really hope you enjoyed that chat that I had with Bex um, and that there are lots of useful tips and things like that um, that you're going to be able to implement in your own teaching. Um, I've put all the links to all the books and things like that uh the podcasts such as bex's own podcast from page to practice um and the other podcasts that she mentioned um tiny voice talks and various all all the things that we mentioned i've i've tried to put everything in the show notes so hopefully i've got everything in there if there's anything that we mentioned um and you'd like to know more, then just get in touch, kate at katelanguages.co.uk or as I said at the beginning, my uh, social media is at katelanguages and I'm on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. They're the only ones I'm on. Um, and as always, yeah, I love to get your feedback and um let me know what you think of the podcast and all the things that we chatted about and if you can subscribe to this podcast and like it and review it then it just helps other people to know that it's out there and then hopefully they can also benefit from Bex's wisdom (laughs) and ideas and tips and stuff like that so until
1: next week bye thanks for listening